Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The text for this morning's message comes from the 11th chapter of John. I am not going to read the entire 45 verses to you, uh, but we'll refer to a few of them. If you have your Bibles, you may want to you know, find John 11, or you can find it on the back of your worship folder as well. There were three older gentlemen. Each of them had a hearing loss. They were out taking a walk on a wonderful March morning. One of them said to the other, Windy, isn't it? The other man said, No, I think it's Thursday. (laughs) To which the other man said, Yes, so am I. Let's go get something to drink. I believe that there are times in our lives when we tend to think that God is the one that's got a hearing problem, when in reality it's really you and I who have the hearing problem. So when it comes to God answering our prayers, if we don't hear the answer that we want to hear, if we don't hear the answer when we want to hear it, we assume that God, just plain simple, is not listening at all. The question is, why does God delay in answering prayer. To get an answer, we are going to consider this morning that story about the two sisters of Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, maybe Jesus' best friend. We're talking about Mary and Martha. And when we look at this story, we're going to see, first of all, that these were two pretty good ladies. They pretty much had it together to a certain degree. I mean, there was no problem with their devotion. There was no problem with their desire. There was no problem, really, with their faith or with their expectation. Listen to these words, the first three verses of John 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord the one you love is sick. That's kind of the setting of the story, but wonderful people. No doubt, God-loving, God-fearing people. But these were people who, when they prayed, did not get an answer that they expected, nor did they get an answer in the, manner, in the time that they expected. The truth is that there are any number of reasons why God does not answer our prayers exactly the way we want them, and at the time we want them. We're going to look at four reasons this morning why Jesus delayed in answering this prayer about Lazarus. Here's reason number one. Jesus sometimes delays the answer for prayers for the education of other people. The education of other people. Look a little further in your text to verse 15. In verse 15, it says... Uh, actually, back of verse 14. So then he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. See, so many times we fail to remember that love permits pain. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that God whispers to us in our pleasure but he shouts to us in our pain. 
See, sickness in the life of a Christian is not inconsistent with the love that God has for that same person. See, the Lord permitted the pain in the sisters' lives for the benefit of other people. Believe it or not, somebody else was going to learn a lesson because of it. Just last week, I had a young girl come up to me. She reminded me of a problem that she had, and she said to me, Pastor, you know it really works. I said, what works? She said, somebody asked me today, why do you always have such a wonderful smile on your face knowing the physical problems you've had? She said, I can smile because of the big guy. She wasn't talking about me either. She was talking about God. Her pain, her suffering, if you will, was benefiting other people through her joy and through her Christian witness. See, the sisters suffered some pain because it provided a platform on which Jesus was going to build and erect the greatest miracle, one of his greatest miracles that was going to stand as a beacon for people to see down through the ages. We all have disappointments. But as someone told me one time, man's disappointments are God's appointments. Jesus' delay actually allowed Lazarus to die so that he could actually perform this miracle of the resurrection and in the process to increase the faith of all of the disciples. After all, these disciples were going to need that faith in Jesus' ability to raise the dead because it's not long after this. Holy Week is not too far off anymore. And the disciples were going to see this same Jesus hanging on a cross. And at that time, they were going to need to reach back into the reservoir of their faith to truly believe that he had the power over death. Resurrection from the dead, friends, poses no problem for Jesus. But Jesus waited because he wanted to increase their faith. The disciples had some faith, but they had a very small faith, a weak faith. And Jesus knew that all of us need even more faith. And this miracle was going to be part of of the process of helping increase it. Now, in this story, I want you to know, if you, if you read the story, you know this from before, Jesus does not show up late and apologize. Jesus doesn't say, gosh, uh, Mary and Martha, I, I, I'm sorry it took so long to get here. He didn't even say, oh, wow, sorry. <laughs> you know, I should have been here sooner. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there. Mary and Martha must have said, say what? I mean, glad? You're glad you weren't here? I mean, what kind of a word is that? But what does Jesus say? He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you would believe. There's the key, so that you would believe. Jesus is not glad because of the sorrow. Jesus is glad on account of the result. He knew that this temporary trial was going to cause his disciples to have greater faith, and he prized that growth in faith so much that he was willing to allow pain and suffering to enter into their lives. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but Jesus prizes your faith, and Jesus prizes my faith so much that he will not screen us from the problems or the pains or the trials of this life because he knows that those things are going to make our faith even stronger than they were before. Now, faith untried may be faith, 
I'm not saying that because you have a small faith that you don't have a saving faith that you wouldn't go to heaven. But see, like that rich man one time who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. All of us need to have our faith expanded. Our faith needs to grow. And so that's why sometimes God allows us to go through those trials, those problems, because He wants to expand our faith. Two men were talking about some experiences they had. One of the men said, you know, it's terribly hard to trust God in the dark. The other man quickly said, you know, if you cannot trust a man when he is out of your sight, he's not worth much. And if you cannot trust God in the dark, it shows that you do not trust him at all. In the Bible class before this today, I suggested to some people that they need tenacity. They need to learn to hang on in the dark times until the light comes. And who is the light? It's Jesus, the light of the world. Anybody here ever had tough times? Every last one of us. Stand firm. Stand fast. Hang on. Jesus may be trying to teach you something. He may be trying to build your faith. Here's the second reason Jesus sometimes delays, and that is to establish doctrine in our heart. Let me read to you, moving down John chapter 11 to verse 22. Jesus said, uh, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. See, sometimes, friends, God delays in order to make truth a reality to us. Mary here accepts the resurrection, but she accepts the resurrection as some future event. But what Jesus is about to do is to move the resurrection from a future right smack dab into the present. He is taking the resurrection out of the Old Testament and bringing it right into the here and now in the person of Jesus. Now, instead of looking at the past like she did when she said, you know, Jesus, if you had been here, or rather than looking into the future when she said, yeah, Lord, I know that someday he's going to rise again at the judgment, what she really needed was a living hope in a living Jesus right now, right here. And you know something, friends? If you're anything like me, it's easy to rejoice in the power of God in the future. I mean, many times we kind of walk around and we believe God in the future, but we kind of doubt Him in the today. We say, well, someday Jesus is going to come back and the world is going to go up in smoke and He's going to come out of the sky on a white horse and someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But then when we run into a problem today, what do we do? We, we have apoplexy. We have a heart attack because we, we don't believe that God is here today to help us. But I've discovered in my life that if you can trust God in the future, you can certainly trust God in the present. God's power does not change. He wasn't more powerful a long time ago like when He created and more powerful in the future. God is just as powerful today, is just as capable of doing things today as He ever was. 
since Jesus can handle the resurrection of all people. If you don't believe that, go back and read John chapter 5, because Jesus is going to raise everybody. If Jesus is going to raise everybody, hey, he can take a guy who's only been in the grave four days and do something. Believe me, he can do it. Jesus was saying, it's not about the past. It's not about the future. He's saying, I am. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, before Abraham and Moses, I am. I, I just am. I am the resurrection and the life. And he, he's saying to these two ladies, to Mary and Martha, it's right here in front of you. It's me. Time is not an issue. I can deal with a situation anytime, anyway, anyhow. It doesn't make any difference to me. Now, see, Martha's general misunderstanding here of the resurrection of the last day was inadequate for her present situation. For the gift of life that conquers death is a present reality to Jesus. The resurrection, when you think about it, is not just a future reality. It's something that you and I ought to be experiencing right here and right now. I know a lot of people say, well, someday when I get to heaven, man, heaven is going to be wonderful. And yeah, heaven's going to be great. But when you step across the line, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not experience a little heaven now? Why not experience a little joy now? I mean, why is everybody so sad all the time? I have a good friend who said, how many joy-filled Christians do you know beyond yourself? The sad thing is we don't know a whole lot of them because we all sit around looking so serious, so Lutheran. So baptized in vinegar. When I was a high school teacher, I'd walk down the hallway, and there was a girl. Her name was Kathy. And she'd always say, good morning, how are you? I would say, fine. And she would say, let your face know about it. <laughs> are you a happy, joy-filled Jesus-loving person, then let somebody know about it. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm a joy-filled Christian. Turn to somebody and tell them that. I'm a joy-filled Christian. See, that didn't hurt at all, did it? See, friends, if we have Jesus, we have all we need. We don't need to wait for something. We got it here and now. We don't need to have some divine event or some divine miracle. We can just have Jesus. Now, often God's delay in prayer is so that you and I will get to know him better. I've had people tell me they really got to know Jesus really well, laying flat on their back, looking at a ceiling in the hospital, waiting for one more test. See, delays to prayer sometimes offer us insight into God that we would not learn any other way. Here's a third reason that Jesus delays sometimes. And sometimes that is to expand our witness. Listen to the last verse in today's text. John 11, verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in Him. See, this miracle opened up a big new door for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus 
because many of the people had their hearts open to hear about Jesus for the very first time in their life. Can you imagine? I, I, I find this kind of interesting. Can you imagine being Lazarus? You've been dead four days. You walk out of the tomb. It's kind of like, what happened? And now you're sitting and everybody wants to come and look at you. What happened? How did, what, what did it feel like? And now to be able to share a testimony about the power of Jesus. You know, God uses some unusual means sometimes to bring people to himself. Many of you know I work in prison ministry. I know a lot of guys down at Louisiana State Prison in Angola who would tell you, coming to prison was the very best thing that ever happened to me because that's where I met Jesus. Now you'd say, wow, God used that? Sure, God can use anything. I mean, if we truly believe that, God, that everything works together for the good of those that God loves, if, every, if it works for the good of everybody according to his purpose, then yeah, God can use anything to draw people to himself. And here he uses the raising of a guy from the dead. I mean, this miracle took place, and the result of the delay was people had a witness. They had a testimony. Now, do you look for the same? After all, God's delay in prayer may hurt for a while. It's not going to harm you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that God comforts us in our time of trouble and difficulty so that we can use that same comfort we've received from God to comfort other people when they have a problem. That's exactly what that young girl was telling me a week ago. This is a young girl who had a tumor in her ear that caused her to lose hearing and they thought was going to lose her hearing completely. And I remember praying for her. I could, I could point you to the exact same place we prayed and God used me to have that tumor disappear. Now, what do we say? Now, you can say, well, thanks, Pastor. Well, okay, thank you. You're welcome. But it wasn't me. It was God. And now this young girl has a testimony to share. She's willing to do that. Has God ever brought any of you through a, a tough situation? Guess what? You've got a testimony to share. I mean, who better to deal with an alcoholic than somebody who's been through that battle? Who better to help somebody who's got wayward children than people who've been through it with wayward children? Who better to help a cancer victim than somebody who's been through cancer? God's given you a witness. Are you using it? Here's the fourth reason God may delay, delay answers sometimes, and that's to exhibit His glory. Back in John 11, in verse 4, Jesus said when He heard this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. I don't know if you know this, friends, but God's glory is at stake in our lives. The question is, will our lives give honor to Him? Can people look at you and look at me and say, to God be the glory? Can they see Jesus living in you? See, the ultimate plan of God in permitting trials and problems and whatever you want to call them is often to bring attention not to a healer, not to a pastor, not to a person, but so that you can say, to God be the glory. 
Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you do have a purpose in my life. Now, the question is, do we truly believe that God is good? Do we truly trust God in all things? Does our prayer life exhibit that simple walk of faith? In fact, I I would ask you this question. Who do you trust? Really? I mean, be honest with yourself. Who do you really trust in life? There were two young boys that were spending the night at their grandparents' house. At bedtime, the two boys knelt by the side of the bed to say their prayers. The little one began praying by shouting at the top of his voice, I pray for a new iPod. I want a new Nintendo. I want a new iPhone. And his older brother nudged him in the ribs and said, You know, why are you shouting? God's not deaf. The little boy said, I know, but Grandma is. See, friends, all I'm saying is sometimes when we pray, we think God is deaf because the answer is not the one we desired or it didn't come exactly when we wanted it. I got some good news for you this morning. God is not deaf. God is not deaf. I mean, if, just think about this. If Mary and Martha had actually had their prayer answered, let's say, Hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead. Jesus, let's get, let's get there to Bethany. He's off and he's running. He gets there and he goes, oh, he's okay. Take a few aspirin. He'll be fine. What if he had, they'd answered their prayer? He just cured him from some simple little disease. Oh, you got, uh, you, you got rheumatic fever. Okay, we can take care of that. What would have happened if Jesus would have answered immediately? I think what would have happened would be people would have been denied a really big blessing. The disciples would have missed out on something that would have changed their lives, not just forever, but immeasurably. More importantly, I think Jesus would have been deprived of an opportunity to give the mightiest display of his omnipresent, his omnipotent power prior to his death. And his disciples, that's you and me, the whole church would have been deprived of this witness. Friends, God knows what he's doing. Maybe that's the message for the day. God knows what he's doing. We just need to learn to trust him. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the power that you exhibit in our life. We thank you even for the power of prayer. We even thank you for the times that you delay your answers in our lives. For, Lord, each of those is meant to be for your glory, to exhibit your power, to give us a witness, to draw us ever closer to you. Lord, thank you for the healing, though, that you do bring into our lives. Lord, may we always give you the power. May we always give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue joining together in singing hymn 421. Thank you.